0: All of my books are at their heart about female friendship um, because it's like one of the things that's most interesting and important to me in life. I'm not surprised that people ask you all the time about like how to make female friendship. People want connection and especially young women. And I think it can be hard to find when you're not necessarily like in an environment like school or camp where like it's you're kind of forced to do it.
1: Guys, welcome back to Mostly Balanced with Mia and Carly.
2: Hi, everyone. Welcome back. You're going to love this episode. We found a really great guest to plug into this young adult moment going on right now.
1: Yeah, she's so great. I loved Jessica. So, Jessica Goodman, she is an author of three novels that have all come out during COVID. So, she published her first novel in 2020 called They Wish They Were Us. And then since then, she published They'll Never Catch Us and The Counselors. And the counselors is her most recent book, so we spend a good amount of time talking about that. But we also just talk about so many different things like female friendships, making new friends as an adult, relationship advice, her journey working in the editorial publishing world as a journalist, and then becoming a published novelist and kind of how she's balanced those two careers that she still has.
2: It was such a good conversation. And the reason we talked a lot about female friendship is because a lot of her novels cover female friendship from like a young adult standpoint. The only of the three that I have read, but I'm like ready to download and start reading The Counselors, but I read They Wish They Were Us. It was so fun, like their murder mystery thriller type, but set in a prep school. So think like murder mystery and like a Gossip Girl episode. It was just what I needed. And like I said, I'm like really loving the young adult shows right now. We talk about the summer I turned pretty and I just finished it on the plane home from Ireland. I was bawling. I'm not bawling. It's an exaggeration, but I was like visibly crying on the plane. And I'm like, this is embarrassing. Hopefully no one is looking at me, but it was so good. It was so, it was like a, a while well, I'm saying I was crying, it was such like a feel good, fun show, like visually appealing. So fun. I loved it.
1: Definitely watch it. You talked about it a couple of weeks ago. So good. And I've also talked about Jessica's books before because I've been mm-hmm. reading them for a little while. I discovered them during COVID. And I've read all three of them. And like Mia said, they all just have themes that are so relatable, no matter what age you are. And I'm glad that now Mia has read one of them and is going to read the others, because I feel like now you understand. Because sometimes when you say like young adult novel, I feel like people are like, what, is, what are they reading? But these types of themes, like everybody can relate to them. Like I said, the friendship theme, like all of her books just have very, very strong relationships and strong characters that you can relate to and so it really like lent itself to a really fun conversation.
2: they mm-hmm. They're also a little nostalgic. So mm-hmm. I that's why I love watching like teen shows, high school shows because it's it's reminding you of what it was like when it was you and I just love that type of stuff. And she talks about this, but I have to bring it up in the intro. But They Wish They Were Us is being adapted to an HBO Max show starring Sydney Sweeney and Halsey and I I'm obsessed with Sydney Sweeney. I think she's like kind of my girl crush. And she is like now just got two Emmy nominations for Euphoria and White Lotus. So, I mean, this show's just set up for success. So, yeah. this is like all the world's colliding of the best things ever.
1: It's so cool that that happened. And she also co wrote a book with Dumois, the Instagram celebrity mm-hmm. gossip account, which Mia and I both love. Yep. And the book is called Anon, Please. And I think it's coming out in October. So, I feel like she just has so many fun things and so many exciting things going on. It was just like, I was so grateful that we were able to talk to her Mm -hmm. and that talking to her just felt like talking to a friend.
2: It was so fun. Also, speaking of Dumois and Sydney Sweeney, I just saw today a blind item submitted about this star from a wildly popular streaming show split up with her long-term fiance because after her like clout from Emmy noms realized she deserves better and that's like totally about Sydney Sweeney. I don't know if it's true but I feel like that has to be about Sydney so.
1: Yeah I feel like that sounds like I haven't read them yet today, but it's usually (laughs) my favorite Sunday pastime. (laughs) Well, before we do get into the episode, we always like to talk about new things that we're trying. So I'm so excited to talk about mine today because we have talked a lot about different meal delivery services. And it's one of my favorite things to try all the different options because there are so many out there. And I like to share, obviously, which ones I like, which ones I don't like. I just tried one last week. Mia is already trying it this week coming up. So she'll be able to talk about it next week. But it's called Daily Dose. I've been wanting to try it for so long. And it really lived up to the hype. Like I loved all the meals. I still have a few left. So I haven't posted really much about it. I posted on our Instagram the first day I got it just showing like some of the meals that came. But basically, it Is a meal delivery service that comes with ready-to-eat meals. So it's not like you cook them. It doesn't come with like the ingredients. It comes with meals that are completely ready to just grab out of your fridge, either heat up or eat as is, depending on what the meal is. So I did a full five-day program and it was breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I actually couldn't believe the amount of food that I got. I was texting with Mia asking her, like, am I supposed to eat all of this? Because (laughs) like some of them, for example, like the donuts, like one one morning when the breakfast was these like almond meal, ham apple cider donuts, which first of all, were so good, but there were three of them. And I was like, wow, it's like, I also like, I'm, I can eat a lot. So I can eat that, that amount, like obviously eat however much you want, but like when you know, the ingredients are good, you don't even like really have to think twice about it. You know what I mean? Like I can just eat these three Three delicious donuts. donuts and feel good. I didn't like have a sugar crush or anything like that later on. That's amazing. So yeah, I got a lot of great meals. They have like a bunch of different programs that you can do. So the one that I did was a special program that they have right now that's called Nutri Beauty. And so it's all made with ingredients that are supposed to help your skin and just kind of like impact your overall health and well being from like a beauty perspective. So it's all all about like that gut skin connection and so they're all gut healthy foods and a lot of protein in them so that's why i did this one so this one breakfast that i was obsessed with was these zucchini fritters with smoked salmon
2: wow that sounds amazing and that's so unlike you're right unlike any kind of meal you would normally get in like a sakura yeah. because like who's delivering you
1: smoked salmon that's amazing yeah. Every meal, it's, like, so high quality. Like, last night was, like, a salmon porchetta with a side salad and this amazing olive tapenade dressing. The dressings, like, I usually am not a big salad dressing person. I usually just put, like, olive oil and lemon. Like, even if I go to sweet green, that's usually my choice. I feel like I could drink their salad dressings, like, with a straw. Mm. They're so good. I'm a salad dressing person, so You're going to love I them when like you get that. them.
2: Yeah, I'm excited. I'm doing the plant-based one, so just because when I do like a prepared meal, I usually tend to, I don't know, try something I don't eat regularly. I eat protein every day. So I love to see like how these services get creative with plant-based options. So that's what's coming in the mail today. I'm so excited.
1: Yeah, that's, I'm glad that you said that because that is one of the other reasons that I loved it is because of the opposite, because I usually am eating plant-based because I don't really like to cook meat. And so like, I don't like, I don't know, I always think it's not cooked. And I just don't know, like, I don't know how to cook meat at home, even though I I swear I'm a good cook. So this was amazing just to have options of foods that I wouldn't typically eat. And it's all like their, their program was all formulated by like doctors and nutritionists and really experts in the field. The woman who started it started as a celebrity chef. And so she's worked with like a ton of really cool, amazing people. And this program is like backed by a lot of people and it's gotten a ton of great reviews so it really really like i said it does live up to the hype it's all sustainably sourced
2: foods i'm excited it should be arriving today so i'll report back next week what do i have to talk about i have a few things to talk about actually i don't really have a product although last week i gave my full review of the hampton grocer company granola and i ordered first of all i ordered a second batch to try a new flavor i got the cherry cinnamon one. I kid you not, it was delivered like in less than 24 hours. What? And I, it was insane. I'm like, wait, did I, when did I order this? Why is it already here? But I just had some. It's the best. I, I can't, like, you have to just try this granola. I feel like it's I just. I ordered it
1: yesterday. Well, it should be here before you know it. They had a flash <laughs> sale yesterday, 20% off flash sale. And I ordered the sampler pack.
2: The flavors are just. So good, the cherry cinnamon, amazing. So that I just had to bolster my recommendation from last week,
1: <laughs> <laughs> our weekly yeah. recommendation for to yeah, Hampton it's, it's great.
2: Then I wanted to. Talk, I told you I wanted to talk about this. I didn't tell you in the moment, but <laughs> so if anyone follows Tanks, you've known of Tanks's box theory. So Tanks is like this TikTok sensation. She has a lot of dating and friendship themed content. And she has this one theory, which is like the one dating theory I like was really intrigued by because I thought like this does sound like it's pretty realistic. I could see, I could just see this being the case. So her theory is when someone meets you in a heterosexual situation, a male meets you in a romantic setting, he'll put you in one of three boxes. One, he would want to date you. Two, he would want to sleep with you. And three, he wants nothing to do with you. And that it's very hard to switch between the boxes. But if you were, if he did meet you and you were in the box of, I want to date this person, no matter when you sleep with them, when you text them, what you do in the beginning, she gives an excuse, like you could puke on his shoes and he would still be interested in you. So it's like kind of going against some of those other hard and fast rules, like don't text don't send a thank you tax suite x amount of time. It to takes sleep away all the rules. Yeah, it takes away all the rules, but it's like still something you can't control. So I brought this up to Dan and his friend at dinner the other night just to see because I'm like I can get on board with this. I feel like makes sense. I wanted to see what they thought. I feel like it was one of those situations where they immediately disagreed, but then the more we talked about it, like they actually agreed. Yeah. So Dan was like, "No, that's not that's not true because." if I met someone or I've met you for instance and like knew I wanted to date you or you were like dating type, like that could easily switch if like we got into a relationship and you were like proving to not be a good partner or like you could do things in a relationship to like switch out of
1: that box. Yeah. But that's why it's a dating box. It's not like a married for the rest of your life. box.
2: Yeah. So that like kind of counteract, I might've like, I might've said like the box was I would marry you. (laughs) But anyway, but then I asked like in more concrete examples, like, okay, but with me, for instance, would it have mattered when I texted you? Would it have mattered like when we slept together? And he was like, no, it wouldn't have mattered. So I think they just, both of them didn't like the idea of like a formula or thinking that there's any kind of science behind relationships, like everything, like every relationship is different and every circumstance is different which we agree with, like we're not here subscribing to dating rules because what works for people, one person might not work for another. But I do think that one is like one that I can kind of mostly get on board. I feel like I do the same thing when I meet someone, I kind of put them in a box and it's hard to move out of it.
1: Yeah, no, I totally agree. And I, one of the reasons why I like it is because I feel like, again, like it gets rid of rules. Like rules to me are saying that you can control everything about a relationship as long as you play by these specific rules. And Tink's box theory is saying that no, like you can't control it by like whether you text or don't text right. or like what you like say on the first date. Like it's just like they either put you in this box that they want to hook up with you or they want to date you or like they don't want anything to do with you. But yeah, if mm-hmm. you if like Dan was thinking about it so like definitive as like and then you like ne- like then they have to date you forever or like, yeah. it, like that. Kind that of thing? Clearly that is what Dan thought. <laughs> you know <Yeah>. Dan. <laughs> it's kind of funny because I feel like your relationship, like you didn't, like you started as friends. So like I feel like your relationship would just prove against box theory.
2: That is also why I, I like he we were having a hard time like getting to the bottom of if everyone agreed or disagreed. But yeah, he's like when I met you, I didn't think like, oh, I'm gonna marry this person. Yeah. But I'm sure when he met me, he was like, Okay, this girl, even though she's my friend, is dateable to me. Right.
1: Yes, yes. I totally agree. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely I, I'm with you. It's definitely one of the dating theories that I am like pretty on board with. And again, mm-hmm. like like you said, also because I'm like that too. Like I feel like once I do think yeah. about someone in a certain way, it's kind of hard for me to change my mind about them.
2: Right. Right, definitely. Anyway, that was just like a funny thing. My real thing that I'm leaving everyone with one piece of advice if you're engaged, because one fun thing I did today was Dan and I registered for our wedding gifts. And this is one of the wedding tasks I've been putting off because it has overwhelmed me. I've attempted to do it a few times. I was trying to do it online. I was getting so overwhelmed. If you know me, I'm so indecisive. I can barely pull the trigger on like buying a dress that I have found that I like. Like it takes me a really long time to make decisions. Putting me in the situation of Picking out all of these things that I want other people to buy me to be like in my lifelong home. I don't know where I'm living. I don't know like what I what my house or what my apartment's going to look like. I was just going down this rabbit hole of being so indecisive. There's so many options. So today we finally went to Crate and Barrel to register in person. And that's the way to do it. Don't even, if you're engaged and you're doing a registry, don't even bother looking online until you've physically gone into a store and looked around because it is nearly impossible to try to like wrap your head around all of these items mm. and you can't even see them so that's my one t- one piece of advice and now I actually have it pretty much all done and I'm so excited.
1: Yeah, that is a great piece of advice and I can't wait to see what you put on there. I'll send it to you later. The one drawback
2: is I don't know if all stores do this, but I thought I was going to get one of those little scanning guns to like run around the store with and that that didn't happen. I was left to my own phone they gave me yeah. an app and it was so slow it would take you like 2 minutes to like scan an item and then get it onto your registry so you need to go with That's a lot terrible. of patience and it is honestly <laughs> a miracle that Dan and I did not get into a fight oh. or <laughs> argument
1: today <laughs> i had a good question i'm going to put this on our on our instagram today as one of our polls and i feel like this is kind of a good question for you because dan has a lot of friends do you think that like going on a first date with someone like when you just start dating someone is them having like a lot of friends, like, a tur- can it be a turn off? <laughs> like, like, can somebody <laughs> have too many friends? I think so. Like, because I, I've i realized that that's a good thing for me because I want them to have friends, but like, sometimes it's like they have like they're that person who just seems like they have like a million friends and it kind of like turns me off. And yeah. I don't know why.
2: Yeah, I can. I get it. I also, I've been thinking a lot about this lately because someone recently asked us a question, like, how do you not feel jealous of your partner if they have mm-hmm. too many friends? And Dan has a huge group of friends. I think for him, it was a little different because they were like this big group of friends from high school that stayed together. So it's not like he had all these friends from all over and was like people pleasing and like networking. Like if that's what part of it was like kind
1: of bugging you, that there right. was like old yeah. new or like someone else in the mix. I, and you don't know because it's like you just, uh, yeah. I'm talking about someone you're just like meeting and you're yeah. hearing about like so many friends they have or like how many weddings they've been in or like they've been a best man in like five weddings. Like, why? That's gives, like so like, many friends to be the vibe. best man in. Yeah. Yeah. It's by no means yeah. like a deal breaker, but it, did, it does like throw up like a little red flag. That's, I think that's more of my question is like, is it yeah. a red flag if they've been a best man in like six
2: weddings? <laughs> I don't think so. I feel like that's a green flag because that means they're the, the best man.
1: I just feel like it means they, like, really, like, it makes me think of, like, the maximizer mentality. Like, it makes me think that they, like, are, like, so much with, like, so many people.
2: Yeah. I could see it. But I feel like, I don't know, if someone's putting them in their wedding as a best man, they must have a very, like, strong, close connection. But right, like, can you have that
1: with so many people? With so many people. So then it makes me think like, do you really have a connection with any of them? (laughs) Like, I feel like I just like really think about it so much. And this was the guy that I went out with this week. And that was like one of the things that I was like, why does he have so many friends? I think it's a good thing. Don't red flag it yet. But I am trying to go out on more dates because practice what you preach. So I'm trying to go out on at least one date a week and then I'll share my progress here. So I did go on one date this week and it was which it's funny because like some people go on like six dates a week and make it like their full-time job. And right now I just have too many jobs to do that. (laughs) And so I can't, but I do, like, I love going out on dates. I think it's only especially hard for me right now because I'm not living in the city. So like, I only go in like once or so a week. So then when I'm in the city, I'm like, I'd rather just hang out with Mia or like, I'd rather like go and get acupuncture. You know what I mean? Like, I just always rather like do something else, Um, but I'm (laughs) making an effort to make that my dating time. So this week I went to a wine bar in the West Village on Friday night and sat outside, which that's my favorite area. That's the area that I was living in most recently. And it's like, just so cute. So it was a great location pick. And I just have a hard time like feeling if like, I feel like because people I think have a hard time being like their actual self. And so so sometimes like, I'm really sensitive to the fact that it seems like somebody's kind of like, not putting on a facade, but like, kind of like has like a filter on them (laughs) like just kind of was thinking so carefully about everything he said and just seemed very not like performative but just very like Mm. um rehearsed or like structured Mm. like kind of like seemed like it it was like yeah trying to impress that's what it was I feel like that's very normal and I think that's like one of two things either
2: one being very aware of like what you're, how you're coming across and like actively trying to come across in a certain way and like very much control the situation and have it feel rehearsed or two, like going on so many dates that this is just like become so natural, like muscle memory of like their shtick of like the type of conversations they have or like the stories they tell. I feel like when I used to like go on dates, I feel like I would tell the same things like first date was like the same stories. And like, you talk about your family but also we talked about this with like Tanisha that you should always give someone like a second date to get get away from that like whatever it is. I that totally first agree. First date jitters or like first date interview feel.
1: Yeah. I definitely agree. So I probably I'll probably do that. <laughs> Yes, of course. Well, I hope everybody loves this episode as much as we do. And honestly, order her books. They're so good. You can order them on Amazon. You can head over to her Instagram and she has a link in her bio where you can see all the books that she's written, as well as some of the articles that she's written, which are really great too. So check them out. My personal favorite is They Wish They Were Us, which is the one that we said is going to be adapted into a show for HBO Max. But I also loved The Counselors and They'll Never Catch Us. So you can't go wrong with any of them.
2: Yes, you'll love this episode. You'll love the books if you read them. And we will have another great episode for you next Monday. Welcome back. We can't wait for this conversation today. We are joined by New York Times best-selling author of three young adult thrillers and the former op-ed editor at Cosmopolitan magazine. Her work has also been featured in Glamour, Condé Nast Traveler, The Cut, Elle, Bustle, and Marie Claire. So we can't wait to dive into all of that and more. Welcome to Mostly Balanced, Jessica Goodman. Hi, thank you guys so much for having me. I'm so excited to chat.
1: Thank you for coming on. We have a lot to talk about, but before we get into it, we always like to just have our guests introduce themselves a little bit. So can you tell everybody where you're from, where you live, and then just a little bit more about what you do?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um I live in Brooklyn, New York, and I'm from the suburbs of New York, so clearly didn't go too far from home. But like you mentioned, I am a young adult thriller writer. My most recent book is called The Counselors, and it's out now. And it is a murder mystery set at a sleepaway camp, which I think Kind of says it all, <laughs> but it follows a teenage girl named Goldie and her search for the truth about a murder that happens at her camp. And all of my work features young women who are trying to find agency over their own lives. So my other books include "They'll Never Catch Us" and "They Wish They Were Us," and so they're so fun. good.
1: We won't give away any spoilers. But <laughs> when I was reading the most recent one, "The Counselors," I was texting my twin sister during reading it because I never went to camp, and we're definitely going to talk about camp because I feel like it's just like a whole thing that I don't know any about it's a whole thing oh it's such a thing and I was reading it, I was texting her because she has kids mm-hmm. and I'm like you have to send Penelope to camp when she gets older like it sounds so fun and she was like oh it kind of scares me and I'm like well actually I'm reading a thriller right now about camp so maybe it's like a weird thing to text you that you should send her there but it seems like it's just like such an experience that I feel like nobody understands unless they actually went
2: that's definitely true Dan and I were just talking about this too we were talking the other day about summer camp and like, neither of us have ever gone. And I I don't know. I feel like it's so much fun. You make lifelong friends. Like, like Carly said, we have so many things to like talk about, but camps like you either like are a camp person or you've like never been to camp. (laughs) I mean, that is 100% true. I think (laughs) based on this book and, um,
0: you know, my entire life, which we'll we'll talk about, I guess, um, I am 100% a camp person though. I will say, Of course there was no murder at my camp. (laughs) So your your sister should not be The kids are safe. (laughs) The kids are safe. So then because
1: I feel like you just have like your camp friends and then you have your non-camp friends and people who went to camp will get it, but In your town where you grew up, was it like a camp town? Like everybody went to different camps or were most of your friends like home for the summer all hanging out and you were off at camp? Yeah, so
0: I'm from Long Island, which is a very Jewish area or I'm from a very Jewish area in Long Island and summer camp, sleepaway camp is very much a part of the American Reform Jewish experience of which I have had and which I am a part. And so I feel like all of my friends from Hebrew school, and all of the other like Jewish kids that I knew, everybody was like going to camp in all different camps all over New England and New York. And that was just like super normal. But I actually didn't go to school with that many Jewish kids. So it was like a lot of them went to like sports camps that were like one or two weeks long or like arts camps or things like that where they were like more like activity based. But the kinds of camp like the kinds of camps that I went to were like 8 weeks long. You lived in a cabin, you saw your parents once, you could talk to them on the phone twice, and it was like very much an experience of like you're being transported somewhere else where you have complete freedom within the rules of the camp to kind of like make your own friends, do all these different activities and like learn a lot about yourself. And I started going when I was like 9 years old and I like was begging my parents to send me earlier. And I think, I mean, I think I have a unique relationship to camp or like the concept of camp in general, because my mom's parents and grandparents actually owned a sleep Boy camp in North Carolina. My mom is from Miami, Florida, and they had this camp that when she was growing up, it was like a big thing that a lot of Jewish families would send their kids to this one specific camp that my grandparents ran in North Carolina. And so I grew up hearing these incredible stories about what it was like for my mom to kind of like grow up in this setting. Um, and, you know, for my grandparents about like what that experience was like to run it. So I think just hearing that lore made me so excited to like be part of a community like that. And my camp wasn't religious or anything. And there were plenty of kids who weren't Jewish that went there. But like, it I think that it's just really ingrained in the culture of like being an American reformed Jew. So like in my very small community. It was like definitely a popular thing to go to. I don't think I realized that everybody didn't go to
2: camp until I like
0: got a little <laughs> bit older.
1: <laughs>
2: yeah, I wish I went to camp. I was always I used to babysit kids who, as soon as they got to the age of going to camp, they didn't need me in the summer anymore because they just went to sleepaway camp. It's literally like going to college when you're nine years old. It's wild. Yeah, I feel like did did it prepare you for? adulthood in a way that like me who never lived away from home, like suddenly had to go live in a dorm and have roommates. I feel like that's just what you've done for every year of your life.
1: Yeah. Like, does it make you more independent?
2: Yeah. I I really, I mean, I think it made me more independent.
0: I don't think it has that effect on every single person that goes obviously, because everyone's different, but it certainly made me more independent and made me realize that like I was my own person outside of like my home and like my community within school and like the confines of the school year. And so that was like really exciting to me. And I remember like when I got to college, I was like, oh, it's like summer camp. You know, it's like sleepaway camp. And um, like I lived in a house with seven other girls for three years of college, like after my freshman year. And most of us had gone to camp and we were all like, this is like camp full year round. Like this is the best thing ever. You know, we like share each other's clothes and play music all the time and just like hang out and have the best time. And that's really what camp was like for me. You know, I formed extremely intimate, close female friendships that I still foster today. And all of these girls, like while I was writing The Counselors, we were on a text chain together where I would be like, help me brainstorm like, you know, these specific details. Like, what do you remember about like this activity? Or like, what are some like tiny little kind of nuggets that would feel like really colorful in this scene? And it really was so exciting just to like talk to them all the time about like what fun little moments we could pepper in throughout this book. And now that a lot of them are reading it, they're like sending me their reactions and like what they think about it. And obviously, it's like so meaningful to me to like hear what they think, because so much of this book, like the setting and the details and the little quirks are pulled from our our own experience. And so it's it's really fun to see, to see what they think.
1: Yeah. I was actually going to say that, that like, I love that kind of book. And Mia and I both always say this, like we love the kind of book or TV show or movie where like the setting is like a character in itself. Yeah, And it's so cool reading it when you're somebody who's not super familiar with that setting, because there are all those little details that bring it together. So for you writing this, obviously you had that experience or you're able to put those specific things in, but then like, what if you're writing a book and you don't have, like, for example, one of your other books, Was it They'll Never Catch Us and They're Runners? Were you a big runner or did you have to like research and figure out some of those specific things?
0: Yeah, so They'll Never Catch Us follows two sisters who are cross-country stars, like you mentioned. It's set in the Catskills and I also love an atmospheric setting and I think I try to infuse that in all my books and the setting plays plays a big role in that book. And the book is really about what happens when a new runner comes into town and threatens to be better than both of them and then she winds up dead and both sisters become suspects. But you know, I that book was very challenging to write because I'm not a runner at all. The only sport that I'm like somewhat good at is tennis because I've played that like my entire life. But I actually like hate running and I wrote I wrote about <laughs> running for that book because I felt I thought that it was such an incredible way to kind of illustrate the intensity of being on a team sport but really it being like an individual an individual activity like running is so you're alone out there like you're the only person who can make or break your time your score whatever, but it's still a team activity because they're all running together. So that was like one of the reasons why I chose running for that book. But I really had to do a lot of research to make that feel accurate and make it feel like I knew exactly what I was talking about. So I spent a lot of time on cross country TikTok, which is a wild place and very fun (laughs) and really gave me like an inside look at teens, a lot of the runner, really prolific runners in high school or college, like post their training regimens and like what they eat in a day and like all their, like, you know, their splits and like all of these things. So, and like their gear, like, you know, what shoes they wear and all that kind of stuff. So I spent a lot of time there. And I also interviewed a bunch of really high level cross country stars from the High school and college level. So I really wanted to get those details right. And thankfully, my editor was also a runner. So she was able to kind of like point me in the right direction. And stuff. Mm-hmm. And we definitely had a lot of help with the from the production team, like copy editors who kind of check a lot of the facts and they would look at the times and be like, okay, this this time is like kind of out of whack. Like actually, it should be more <laughs> like this. So like all those details we tried really hard to get right. But it's obviously much easier when like you have a lived experience that you're writing about, like mm-hmm. at summer camp or like. My first book They Wish They Were Us is a murder mystery set at a prep school and like I went to a prep school and it was really easy to like pull a lot of the details from that from that place there too.
2: Yeah, it's so fascinating to hear the behind the scenes and everything that goes, because when you're reading a good book and you get immersed in it and you feel like all of those like little nuggets and tiny details that really make the story and pull you in, like you just said, I feel like maybe your first novel or your first project is something that you know really well, but I'm always fascinated by these topics that you need to, like, this is going to be a silly example, but like when I watch The Sopranos, mm. I'm like, how? How? how much work, time, like, how do you know all this to get like all these details right about like, are you in the mafia? So (laughs) it's when you get pulled in and it's those little details that really make it. But you kind of just talked about like how you why you picked certain themes in your books, like whether it was a prep school in New York or camp. So talk to us a little about like, how did you get started? How did you land on the first topic of your first novel? And what was that experience like from writing, editing and then becoming a published author?
0: Yeah, I mean, I've always been a writer like since a very young age, and I went to college and studied creative writing. And I worked on the arts and culture magazine at my college. And while I was there, I basically decided that I wanted to go into journalism. I worked, you know, on while I was working on the magazine, I worked with a lot of students who are older than I am, who then like went on to work at magazines and blogs um, and websites and newspapers. And I was like, okay. This seems like a really cool, you know, career path. I love, I love this work. Let's do it. But in my junior year, I also took a class as part of my major called like YA writing. And I, you know, the, the project or like the final of that class was to come out of it with 50 pages of a book. And that was really where they wish they were us started. The book is very different than like what I had pitched and what I had written in that class, but the idea was always there. It was like always a murder mystery set at this school in Long Island, and the characters were like mostly the same, or some of them were. And I had so much fun with the project. I just loved it. But I didn't really think about it until... Many years later, when I was an editor at Entertainment Weekly, I had been working in journalism for a while and was really looking for like another creative outlet because like writing had become my job. And I was looking for something that just like felt a little more creative in a different way. And at the time, I was also covering the publishing industry from like a reporting perspective. And I got to learn more about what actually goes into putting a book out in the world, like how to get an agent and what publishing actually looks like. And once that process was kind of like demystified for me. I realized like, oh, maybe I could do this. Like real people do this every day. Like why can't I be one of them? So, I decided to like take out that those 50 pages that I wrote in college and like reread them and see if there was anything there. And like I'll credit my professor Melissa Jensen for writing in the margins like this is great. Like I I can't wait to read this one day, you know? And and seeing that all that like, you know, 5 or 6 years later, I was like, oh, this is Really encouraging, like maybe I should go back and try this. Um, And I did. You know, I spent maybe a year and a half, two years with those pages, reworking them completely, rewriting, finishing, polishing, blah, 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 blah. And then I finally felt like I was confident enough to send it out to agents. And, you know, thankfully, one wanted to work with me. And then she and I spent another six months polishing up the manuscript. And then we finally sold the book in, you know, late 2018. So it was, it was a long process of like, trying to think about if I actually wanted to do it or whatnot. But, you know, I got there eventually. And and then that book came out in 2020, August 2020. So yeah, since then, I've, you know, published a couple books. And it's been really exciting to kind of embark on this new path. And, and my career now is that, you know, it used to be like 80% journalism working full time at Cosmopolitan and like 20% book, I would say, or maybe like 70, 30, 60, 40, something like that. And, and then last June, I quit my job at Cosmo and I'm focusing mo- mostly on books, but then doing some freelance journalism on the side as well. So I've kind of like flipped the way that, um, that my, my work breaks down.
1: That is really cool. And honestly, congratulations on all your success. Correct me if I'm wrong, but is they wish they were us being turned into a TV series? Yeah. So that one is set up at HBO Max.
0: Um, and we have Sydney Sweeney and Halsey set to star in it. So, that is so I mean, cool. What, what a better a team like those two <laughs> are just incredible. And I cannot wait to see what they put out because they're both geniuses.
2: (laughs) Sydney Sweeney is one of my favorite actresses right now. Show me anything she's in on so incredible.
0: (laughs) She's so incredible. And I will say like, she is an incredibly savvy, wonderful businesswoman Mm -hmm. too. Like she is... She's the one who like found the book and brought it to HBO Max. She got, she got Halsey involved. She found the producers like, and she's an executive producer on the project through her own company called 5050 Films. And like I met her and we started talking about this, this book before Euphoria, before White Lotus. Like she had been in The Handmaid's Tale and Sharp Objects and like the show Everything Sucks, which is lovely. But she hadn't had this like real break, breakout, breakthrough moment. Like she's had this the past couple of years. So even then she was like so determined and you could just tell that she's like, she's just a star. She really is. And so, yeah, she's set to ma- play the main character, Jill. That and, is unreal. Um, yeah. She's going to be incredible. That I is can't so cool.
1: How involved are you in the making of the show? Yeah, so I'm an an executive producer
0: on the project, which is really exciting. But there's there's this amazing woman, Annabelle Atanasio, who's uh writing it and she is like taking it in a really amazing, exciting new direction. So I'm not really involved like day to day, but I think it'll be really, really cool to see, to see where it goes.
2: That's so cool young adults really having a moment right now. Mm. I mean, you mentioned euphoria, which I mean, Carly and I just said this the other day, we hope no one in high school is actually watching euphoria, (laughs) but it may still fall under that YA umbrella. But like, Yellow Jackets, just like young adult series based off of books. So do you feel like young adults where you will stay like this is your sweet spot? Or have you thought about like branching out into other other genres?
0: I mean, I love writing for teens. Like I think that it's such an exciting audience because they're so like eager for content and when they like something they tell you really emphatically and it's just like a wonderful audience to be a part of but like never say never like I'm sure I'll branch out and do other things in my career and I I'm actually like I co-wrote a book with Dumois the Instagram celebrity gossip so huh? you know who she
1: is you know I don't <laughs> I don't know who she is
0: I really don't but that's been a really fun project and that book is coming out in the fall it's called a non-please and that is like not, that is not a murder mystery. It's an, it's an adult book. You know, there's a lot of like swearing and cursing in it. It's marketed to adults. And yeah, so that's like a totally, that's like a real departure from, from what I have been doing, but that, that was a fun one. So never say never, like, I'm sure I'll branch out and do other stuff too, but yeah, for now I, I love playing in this YA thriller space. It's really exciting. And I will say there, there are so many incredible YA adaptations out right now. Like you mentioned, like I just binged
2: The Summer I Turned Pretty all weekend. Yeah, I completely forgot to mention that one, but I'm also watching it now. <laughs> just a delight. Yeah. Jenny Han is a genius.
0: And oh, she I is. was like crushing the whole time. The music, the casting, it's perfect. It's just so great. And I think that that content is just so when it's joyful and when it's done right and when it's smart it's just like it's like having a cozy blanket over you like i just love it
1: for like any age too like i feel like mm-hmm. i'll continue to like that genre for like forever i feel like you can just relate to it because we've all felt those feelings it's all about like the feelings that it makes that it gives you while you're watching it or reading it or whatever it is exactly and you said anon please is coming out this fall
0: yeah i think it's out in november And that's a really fun one. But again, no murder, no teens, (laughs) totally different.
1: (laughs) When I was reading, because I think I found your books through They'll Never Catch Us Mm -hmm. because I am a runner. And I was like, oh, this is about like runners. And I thought it was like, a fun thing to read. And then I was reading it in the morning and then I would like go out on my run and I'm like a little bit creeped out because I was like upstate at the time. And you even like mentioned my hometown in the book, New Paltz. And I was like, oh this is a little too creepy. <laughs> like, it was so funny. I was like, uh, I don't want to be on this trail right now. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah. But so I, I loved it. But one of, and we talked about this a little bit when we were talking about camp, but I feel like All of your books have had a lot of friendship themes in them and kind of like look taking a look at female friendships specifically. So we get a lot of questions about like how to make friends as an adult. And I know obviously these are young adult books, but I'd love to hear your perspective or your advice on how people can meet new friends, maybe in like their mid-20s, late twenties, any adult age when they're not given that like common environment of school, camp or those types of things totally i mean
0: it's it, you're right like all of my books are at their heart about female friendship um because it's like one of the things that's most interesting and important to me in life um and i think it's like i, I mean I, i'm not surprised that people ask you all the time about like how to make female friendships like when i was at cosmo it was like one of the things that we wrote about the most because it's like people are like people want connection and especially young women and i think it can be hard to find when you're not necessarily like in an environment like school or camp where like it's you're kind of forced to do it i will say like the most amazing women that or the most amazing people in general that i have become friends with like outside of that world like after like living in new york and just like being a person have been through like a really strong shared commonality whether that is work or like meeting someone through a book club or something like that. Like one of my best friends in the world is someone that I met when I was 23. And we started working together at HuffPost. And we've just become like such good tight friends, because we went through, you know, like a really important life stage together of like having our first jobs at the same time and like dealing with all of that. But some of the people that I've become really good friends with recently have been through her, you know, like meeting her friends at like, bachelorette parties or dinners or her parties and then like talking to them and like becoming friends with them that way like you know in the friends of friends kind of way and I don't know if this is necessarily that helpful if you have like no friend like you know if you're moving to a city and you have like no friends but I feel like see like asking your friends to introduce you to people who who you think that they might like and kind of not shying away from the awkward like let's have a friend date and like go out for coffee or go for a walk and see if we actually like each other, and. A lot of the people that I've become good friends with, in a like that have surprised me, have been people that I've only met in person like once or twice, and I just like text with them all the time. Like one, actually, like one woman who who I connected with online, kind of casually, she invited me to come on her podcast, and we just like basically realized we had like everything in common, and we text all the time, and like she basically convinced me to get a dog, and we like text about our dogs all the time, and. She lives in LA and I got to see her in person when I was there recently. And it was like, so nice and so fun. And I think just like being open to the idea that like friendship isn't necessarily defined as like defined by having sleepovers when you're little, like it can be something that is really different than what you share with like your oldest friends in the world. I just like, I've been like so pleasantly surprised by the people that I've become friends with randomly, like who I didn't really think would be more than like a networking kind of conversation have really become people that I rely on in an emotional way. And I, you know, I hope I can be like support for them too.
2: Totally. There's no shortage of places to meet friends. I think like any opportunity where you find that commonality could just spark a relationship. And what you said about your first job, I feel like that just reminded me of my relationship with Carly, where we met at work, we had the shared experience of being like young 20s in a work environment, a very social work environment. And then we became even closer afterwards, because we realized oh, wow, it's so many shared interests, like a lot of the conversations and topics we talk about on the podcast, which just like kept us talking and texting. And even if we didn't see each other. So I love that. And you mentioned moving to a new city, which is definitely opportunity for a new friend. But I also think like when people maybe think about how do I meet new friends? It's coming from a place of like, I don't have any, but it could also just be I've grown apart from my friends growing up or they're still my closest or my oldest friends, but we're different now. We're in different stages of life. We have grown to have different interests. So it's just finding those people that have that core common interest as you that you can talk about for hours. And there's always room to make more friends that are kind of in the same little pocket of life that you are.
0: Totally. Like I, I find myself like I'm at the stage of life where like a lot of my friends are transitioning in different ways in terms of location or family stage or something like that. And, you know, I'm like, okay, maybe I need some more friends, more new friends who live within like 10 blocks of me who I can just call and be like, Hey, do you want to go for a walk now? Because a lot of my friends have like moved out of my neighborhood or just can't see that often because of like where we're all at. And I'm like, it would be nicer. It would be nice to have like more friends who I can just like very sporadically like call up and say like, let's go get coffee. Like I just need to walk around like whatever. And so like, yeah. And I, I consider myself someone who has like a lot of friends, but you're so right. Like you sometimes just like need people for different things. And like something my mom likes to say is that like, you can't really expect one person or a couple people to fulfill like every single one of your needs. And it's okay to have different friends and different relationships for different aspects of your life. Like that's very normal.
1: Yeah. We love talking about that because like we talk so much about dating and relationships and that's so true there too, that like you might, so there's some people out there that are like, like, what are you looking for in a relationship? And they want someone who has like every single interest that they have and wants to go to all the same, like parties or events or like just do all the same things, but you shouldn't have one person who's everything for you. So like maybe you're in a relationship with somebody who doesn't love working out, like work out with one of your friends or like have your one friend that you go to comedy shows with because your significant other doesn't like it or like whatever it is, you have to like, you have to have certain people in your life for certain things. And I mean, I guess kind of like on that topic, I feel like you explained a little bit that you are still connected with the journalism industry. And then you also spend all of your time writing and you're working on these other projects as well. How do you like balance that with doing things like (laughs) hanging out with your friends and like, do you date? Are you in a relationship? Like how do all those things balance for you?
0: Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm married. Actually, I got married in October. Um, And my husband, like talking about different things for different people, like I've discovered recently that like, I really missed going to like theater and musicals and stuff. And I used to do that a lot when I was younger. And like, I, I don't because I think my husband doesn't. He's not into it. And recently I've been like, this is so lame. I need to like go do this stuff. And so I like have been, I've like found friends who like to do it. And now we get to do it together. And it's like really, it's been like a real net positive for me. But I mean, in terms of like actual balance, it's very difficult, especially in a career like mine where it's kind of like you have really busy weeks and then really like down weeks where not a lot is going on. And you're kind of at the whim of deadlines, which don't you don't always get to set. And so I think the way that I've been trying to to work it work out my schedule in my life is to kind of like, give myself over to the really busy periods and just be like, you know what, these three weeks, like, I know that I'm going to be on deadline. I know that I have a lot going on those weeks. No doctor's appointments, you know, no errands that are not absolutely necessary. Like I'm very, very picky and particular about like what I do socially and like how I can fill that well and like be there for my friends. But also like I try to be really upfront with my family and my friends and my intimate relationships where I say, I'm not going to be the best listener partner person these three weeks. Like I'm going to try really hard, but like I need you to understand that like I I have to just go into crunch mode. It doesn't happen all that often, but like when it, like, I tr- I just try to be open about that. And then like, there are other weeks where like, I don't really have a lot going on. And it's great. And I can like be leisurely with my work and decide, you know what, I'm going to spend all day like researching this next book. But I'm then going to spend like all of Tuesday, doing all of the doctor's appointments and the errands and stuff that I couldn't do before. And I'm gonna book myself really hardcore socially and like see all the people that I couldn't see those few weeks. And it's not necessarily like all or nothing. But this is that's kind of how I'm trying to view my life. So I don't get really burned out and nutty when I am in those like intense crunch periods because it's just it's too hard to do it all. Like we can't do it all. And like I don't have kids and I can't even imagine what it's like for people who are parents and have to juggle that as well with like so much demanding stuff going on. I, I assume you kind of just like figure out what works for you. But it's tough. And um, you know, I, I struggle with it all the time. But um right now I'm in like a kind of leisurely period, which feels like very nice. And I am definitely taking advantage of it.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Well, it sounds like you have really strong and healthy boundaries because that's pretty much exactly what you're saying in that, you know, when you're busy, you know, when you you're communicating to your friends, to your partner, to your family. So I find that when you don't have those boundaries, it's like everything becomes so chaotic. And you feel like you have no control, and then you feel like you're being a bad friend and you feel like you're being a bad partner. But if you just establish your own boundaries and communicate them and like try, I know not everything can be scheduled and planned for, but (laughs) it sounds like you have really healthy boundaries now. Were you always like that, or did it take some trial and error of being in a more like flexible job to figure that out for yourself?
0: I mean, I should say, like, Sure. It, in theory, I have like very strong boundaries, but like in practice, not always like I definitely mess up all the time when it comes to this stuff and like, am guilty of taking on way more than I can, you know, than I can handle and like not always being like a great partner and like snapping or getting like irritated and irritable when like I'm overwhelmed and stuff like that. So it's definitely not I'm not like, good at this in any way, but I. I, it's, what I it's what I aspire to. And I will say like, no, it's taken me like so much work to find to even understand that like that is how it should be. And that like, it's okay if I'm not working myself like 10 hour days every single day, like, that's okay. And that's like bad, probably. So like I quit my full time job in June of June 2021. And since then have been doing this freelancing and it's really taken me all, like a year to figure out the kind of schedule that works for me and how I work best and how I can be most productive. And again, I don't always employ it, but I, I do understand it. And I think when I was working full time at Cosmopolitan and writing books and trying to do like a few other projects, it was very difficult. And I didn't have a lot of free time. And I was really, really, really burnt out. I think like a lot of people, especially in 2020 and 2021, when we were in really, really deep pandemic pre-vaccine times, it was, you know, it was really dark. And I definitely struggled with my mental health and burnout and felt really crappy all the time. And I think getting a handle on what kind of work and how I work makes me happy was a real way to kind of like rejigger my life and rethink some of the things that I thought I had to do. Like my schedule back then was like writing from 7am to 9am, trying to work out for a little bit and then starting work, you know, at like 10am and working to like 630 ish and then trying to be a little social or like watch TV or have dinner or whatever. And like, it it just got to be really hard because I wouldn't often ha- get to end at like six or 630. And there was always more work to do. And I, you know, it's just It was hard. And, you know, it's not like poor little me, but it was just like me having to understand like the best way that I worked and what made me happy. Um, And I think since, since I've done that, I've been like a much happier person. And I think I've been like a better person to be around. And
1: I think that's a good thing. Yeah, no, totally. And I totally think that it just happens through like, like you said, like experience and learning what works for you and what makes you feel more burnt out and what makes you feel like you are a little bit more energized or organized or whatever it is. It's probably so crazy. I mean, for a lot of people listening, but just for you to think about what your life was like before COVID, because like all of this has happened, like have all, all your books were published during COVID, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I've never had a non-pandemic That is so crazy. I know.
1: (laughs) Since COVID, you've published three books. That is wild. And you like quit your full-time job. Got married. Yeah, got married. Congratulations. (laughs) But for people who are considering leaving their full-time job to pursue something different, is that something that like you just knew it was time and it's not like you were pursuing something different. It was something you had already been doing, but did you just, was it because of the balance of things that you were like seeing that? Like once you of course were having success with your books, you were like, okay, I need to shift what the like priorities are or what, what was the thought process like?
0: Well, like, like I mentioned, I was really burnt out. And I think everyone in my life knew it. And it it kind of came to this breaking point where people in my life were like, you have to do something about this. Like it's not going to change. No one's going to change it for you. Like you have to, you have to do something. And I spent a lot of time talking to people I knew who had quit their jobs in magazine journalism or some sort of like media to go freelance. And either they were writing books or they weren't like, I talked to authors who had quit their jobs and also like people who were just like freelancing and doing lots of stuff. So I I tried to like really prepare for what that might look like and set up a few different, you know, permalancy slash like freelancy jobs, like right away and try to get those going. Like before I quit, because I was really worried about, you know, money, obviously, like I wanted to make sure that I could bolt myself, you know, for a while in case, in case I didn't get any other projects going. And once I, felt like it was going to be okay for at least like six months to I think I had like six or six months to a year or something like where I felt comfortable. I just decided to go for it. And I talked to my parents a lot. And I talked to, you know, my husband, and my like, again, people who had done it before, but I felt very informed. Like I, every person I, I like I talked to, I was like, do you have a list of contacts I should reach out to like editors that might be interested in working with me or like any advice, like all that kind of stuff. And it was great. And like, I. I think like the biggest piece of advice I can say is to like prepare and like talk to people who've done it. People have like walked in your shoes before, like all people are always moving around, like, especially the past couple of years, everyone's like changing their lifestyle completely. And people are always interested in talking to you about it, but like, you'll never feel completely prepared. You just, At some point you just have to like go for it and take a leap. And I remember the day that I decided to do it or the night I like, was talking to one of my friends on the phone about it for like a long time. And she was like, you just do it, like take a risk. Like you, you need to do this. And if it falls apart, like you can find another job, you know? And like, I know not everyone has that luxury and like, who knows if I actually could get another job, like full-time job if I wanted one, but like having the audacity to think it, I think can help you get through it. And just like, putting on the air of confidence in yourself, like no one's going to believe in you as much as you're going to believe in you, especially when it comes to your career. So if you have the gall to do it,
2: you know, why not take a chance? Totally. There's never going to be a right time. Yeah, exactly. Like you said, I don't know if it was COVID or just a shift in how people are thinking about work and life and making changes and flexibility, but it's so much more common now to like switch jobs, take time off, start another project or endeavor, and then like go back. So I think it used to be so like narrow, straightforward path. And now there's so much more room for flexibility. So congrats on that. I feel like that takes a lot of courage, but clearly panned out. But I want to hear a little more about your relationship. So we know you got married in October. How long were you together? Did to- is he a character in any of your books? <laughs> <laughs> Where can not, we read
1: about him? <laughs> he's not a character in any
2: of my books. Um
0: we've been together for oh my gosh, I like I think I think seven seven years. We met um, when we were both working at Huffpost. We got together in twenty fifteen. So yeah, seven years. And yeah, he's a re- so he's a reporter too. Um, we've always covered like very different things. And right now he's covering business and technology and like crypto stuff. So it's we have like completely different lives, which is great.
1: Yeah, very different. Yeah, I like <laughs> listen
0: to him do interviews and I'm like, wow, this is... Way over my head, and then I read the story, <laughs> and then I read his stories, and I'm like, "Thank you for explaining this in terms I can understand." Um, <laughs> he is wonderful, yeah. So we've been together for seven years. So you
1: did not meet at camp. <laughs> we did not
0: meet at camp, and he does. He camp is a very foreign concept to him. He thinks he would have hated it as a kid and he's probably right. But I was like, if we have kids. I want them to go to camp. And he was like, okay. Oh, <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, we do always like to close with some more like rapid fire type questions. But before we do that, I'd love for you to share just like some advice for anybody who might be in the age of like trying to figure out what they want to do. Maybe they recently graduated or maybe it is like a career shift. What advice do you have for somebody who is just kind of starting out in a, in a new industry?
0: Oh, man. I mean, I think I wish that somebody had told me or like really drilled into me when I was in my early 20s that like the decisions that I made then, sure, they were important, but like they would not be like the most important decisions of my life. And that it, it like you can move around a lot within your industry outside of your industry, like life is flexible, like just because you go into one industry when you're 22 doesn't mean that you have to stay there. Um, and I remember like when I was graduating college, some of my journalism mentors were like, you have to pick if you want to be an editor or a writer, you cannot do both. And I was like, this is so stressful. Oh my God. Like, how am I going to choose blah, blah, blah. Once I got into the real world, I realized that was like not true at all. And you could like very easily move back and forth, but being scared that like what you would decide then would affect the rest of your life was like, so it's so there's so much pressure. And I just want to like alleviate that pressure and say like make mistakes. Like take a job that feels risky. Like go, go do something wild. Like don't feel like if you step out of the, you know, that like, if you climb off the ladder for a second that you're not going to be able to get back on, like do what makes you happy. I don't know. Like, I feel like the pandemic, it's so cheesy, but like the pandemic has really showed everybody that like life's too short to like be unhappy or do something that doesn't, fill your well and like doesn't provide you with some sense of joy and creativity and, you know, fulfillment, you know, working is hard and like jobs are hard and you can't expect to like love every single second of what you do for money. But like, you know, it's also too short to be miserable. So try to not take it too seriously when you're like really just starting out because life is long and you're going to have a good time at some point.
2: hmm that advice like should have gone to me at 20 <laughs> 22 years old I, when you're young life in front of you just feels like like you said all your decisions are so important matter so much like life ahead feels so short like everything right now you need to figure it all out and then in hindsight you're like why didn't I make like these why didn't I just take a chance and try feel like that happens in relationships. People are like, I can't, I don't want to end this relationship now. Like we've gone so far. And then you look back like I could have started a whole new life. I know. I remember I had
0: one relationship where I remember when we were like on the verge of breaking up, I was like talking to my mom and I was like, but what if this is like the best that'll ever be? And she was like, it's not. Like, it's most certainly
2: not it's like the best you're 24. It will ever 24. It's definitely yeah, not. Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> she was like, you got so much else going on after this relationship. Just like, please end it and move on. <laughs> and uh-huh. she was very right. <laughs> so true.
1: Yeah. It's so
2: true. Well, can you tell everyone where to find you before we get into some of our rapid fire questions? Where we can get your books, your Instagram, yes. your website.
0: Yes, 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 yes. Um, You can find me on Instagram at Jessica Goodman. That is the social media platform where I am most active. All three of my books are available now wherever books are sold. I love to support indie bookstores. If you don't have one in your town, bookshop.org is a great place to buy books.
1: Amazing. And we will put all of those links in the show notes too. Okay. So what is your favorite method of self-care? Food. Oh, I love
0: that <laughs> like I love like I just all food. Like I love to cook and my big thing is like every Saturday morning we go to the farmers market in our neighborhood and it brings me like an immense amount of joy to just like buy a pint of fresh cherries. It's like the- it's just like the or and like a loaf of really fancy bread. It's mm-hmm. just like my it really gives me self-care.
1: What are your favorite Clinton Hill restaurants?
0: Oh my gosh, so many. Um, I I mean, shout out to like every restaurant in De on Decob in Fort Greene. Like Masada is so good, and the new Saragina is amazing. Evelina, love Evelina. Um, but, I mean, the we go to this restaurant called the Fly, which is like a chicken. It's like they only have like a couple of things, and it's like basically like chicken and natural wine. And we mm. go there like once a week. It's it's so good. yeah yeah Yeah. all the italian food in our neighborhood is amazing too but you need
2: to send me some of those recommendations recommendations. yes totally and then you can also come hang out with me over here and i'll bring you to some of my favorite restaurants
0: i mean prospect heights (laughs) has amazing places to eat it does really good
2: what is one tv show you've been watching and recommending a lot to people lately um, I mean the summer I turned pretty is just mm-hmm. so
0: fun and I'm delighted by it and have definitely texted like all of my threads being like you guys all need to watch this. It's incredible. Some people have and they're you know, I, I feel like I've done a good thing by introducing it to them. <laughs> Real Housewives Ultimate Girls Trip in the Berkshires in the berserk uh, is really bringing me, really bringing me an incredible amount of joy these days. I think the day that, um, we found out that Roe v. Wade was officially overturned, I like stopped working completely and like rage scrolled as I'm sure most people did. And then watched all three of the episodes that Peacock dropped. And uh, that felt good to me.
1: A good relief for sure to have something like that to watch. Yes. Yeah. Highly, highly recommend. What shows did you grow up watching?
0: Oh man! Well, it's interesting. I wasn't really allowed to watch TV for most of my young childhood, and so watching TV felt like really special. And then I think I basically like overdosed on TV when I got of age. Um, <laughs> of like, age. When I, basically, when I <laughs> yeah, like in, in, in middle school and high school, I was like allowed to watch TV, and I just like went totally nuts. But like, I feel like my shows were The OC, Gossip Girl, like One Tree Hill. Um, I was a little so we're the same all the same like I was a little mm-hmm. too young for Dawson's Creek when it was like coming out but then I would like watch the reruns with my sister um like Seventh Heaven was like, oh big my God, for me. The like everything on the WB in, in the later years yeah, yeah. and um yeah. Oh my God. I did a rewatch of the OC during the pandemic too. And that you also like really, fueled. you did. Yeah. Isn't it great? Yeah, it like really fueled my mm-hmm. soul. It's like a perfect pilot. Yeah. <laughs> I did
1: a rewatch of Gossip Girl too, before the new one <laughs> came out. Too. So I just, oh I, well, I rewatched them all. <laughs> Trust me. <laughs> so
0: good. So good. I also watched a lot of MTV road rules of the challenge. Remember all those mm.
1: MTV shows growing up that were like, uh, Room Raiders. Do
2: you ever watch Room Raiders? Room
1: Raiders. Yes. I watched all of that. And, MTV Cribs. Um, so and good. what is one must-have quality for you and a significant other?
0: Oh, my God. So, so many. But, mm-hmm. I, like, I'm thinking of my wonderful partner. I think, like, yeah. he, I mean, must-have quality is, like, they make me laugh, like, so much. Like, he makes me laugh all the time. And, I mean, just being, like, really positive and supportive also. Like, he is one of the most supportive people I've ever met. So, yeah.
2: I mean, there's so many great qualities about yeah him and partners in general. But I feel like humor and supportiveness are great. Yeah, those are the best, and someone that makes you laugh all the time. I love that one. Mm-hmm. I guess we can close up with some advice. I know you gave some advice for someone right out of school, but if you had to give yourself a piece of advice, what would it be? Your younger self, my younger self, mm, <laughs> right at what stage? Like I know I'm
0: like, mm-hmm. what is just what? Right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god my younger self okay like what stage younger self am i giving advice to <laughs>
1: give your younger self dating advice mm-hmm. because we've talked a lot about like career and friendships so give oh yourself like your younger 20s <laughs> dating advice
0: okay well i did the one that's like 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 relationships will be better than this bad one that you're in right now yeah um i shouldn't say bad the, the one that's wrong for you right now the like i feel like <laughs> yeah i feel like when i was younger i did I was very boy crazy like as a kid and it took me a long time to like come out of that I think um probably like only when I started like dating my husband and realized what like a really wonderful partnership was was like as an adult but I was so boy crazy as a kid that I think like often I would prioritize that person over my friends in a lot of ways and was like always picking like them to hang out with or talk to on the phone or text instead of like going out with my girlfriends and, um, or like friends in general. And, you know, like always like leaving a party early to like go to whatever party they were at and like kind of giving them the power socially. And like, I wouldn't do that again. You know, I would like much rather hang out with my friends and, and, um, you know, spend a lot of time with them in that way. And so I feel like it's really wonderful to have a loving partner who you ha- who you get along with and who you have so much fun with when you're young. But I would advise myself and other people who might feel like they're in that decision that like, your partner will still love you and want to hang out with you. Even if you sometimes are like, you know what, I'm actually just gonna like be with my friends tonight and like not always like end the night wherever you are or whatever. Because I feel like that was like a big thing when I was like in college and in my early teen, I mean, in my early twenties. So. That would be my advice. Uh,
1: Do what you want to do, not what they want to do. Yeah, like prioritize yourself (laughs) too. I relate to that Like your friends. Like I would always prioritize people like over myself, like in relationships like that and like do what they want it to do or like even like – in the early stages of dating, when you're like just waiting for them to text because they said they like might hang out mm-hmm. with you and you're like all ready to go, just waiting. Oh my <laughs> God. Like, yeah. Or you're, like, things like, you're like, that. like, I can't,
0: I, I don't know if I can go with you to that party because I'm waiting to see if I'm invited to the party that he's yeah.
1: going to. It's like, uh, huh. <laughs> well, <Rude>. great. <laughs> it's like reminding me of your book because I, I feel so like there's like part <laughs> in that book where she that like yeah. happened where she's like cancels her other plans because he finally invites yeah. her to the party.
0: That's such a real that's such a real thing when you're especially like in high school. But I mean, certainly college in your 20s, you're just like, always wanting to go where, Mm -hmm. you know, where the partner is. But yeah, always the best idea.
2: Definitely. I did. I needed to be more confident and independent. (laughs) And then I wouldn't have the problem of chasing other people because they would want to be with me all the time. We all get there, (laughs) (laughs) actually.
1: Thank thank you you so so much.
2: This was so fun. You already told everyone where we could find you, but thanks for being here. We loved this conversation.
0: Oh, great. Thank you so much for having me. So much fun to be here and chat about all this stuff.